Welcome to the second season of SeaTech Voices, The Risk Perspective, the podcast that brings you expert insights to today's hot topics in healthcare cybersecurity, compliance, and privacy. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. A transcript of each episode can be found at Synergistic.com. And now for the show. Hello, welcome to The Risk Perspective. I'm Lauren Frickle, and you're listening to part two of Say What? Yes, security and privacy can work together. Just as a reminder, this is a panel-based episode, and on said panel, here to talk about how security and privacy can work together, is Fred Bishop, the Information Security Officer at UC Health in Cincinnati. We also have Synergistics' David Finn, the EVP of External Affairs and Information Systems and Security. Andrew Mahler joins us on the privacy side. Andrew is the Senior Manager of Privacy Services here at Synergistic. And last but certainly not least, we have CTEC's Marty Arvin. Marty Marty is an executive advisor at Synergistic and will be offering her compliance insight as well as helping me to ask this panel some questions. So let's begin with where we left off in part one, which was talking about the sometimes friction within an academic medical center. So Marty, to continue the conversation, can you weigh in a bit on your thoughts about AMCs and overall experience. In thinking about that, I, one of the things that I want to comment on that I found quite interesting, and, and I don't know how many of the folks on the call are from academic medical centers, I was part of the pri- what we call the privacy board at UCLA. And uh, in my role as chief compliance officer for the health system, I participated in that, but it was a campus level activity. And one of the things I found interesting and I hadn't really considered is the privacy view of the faculty members and and the view that they bring to the table about things you might want to put in place and what kind of restrictions you might want to add to a system to harden the system and to better protect your data that tie into what they feel is their right and ability to do their job as a faculty member. And I just point that out. It was kind of fascinating to me. We had a whole group of people around the table, some people from the law school, some people from our IT professors and and folks like that, and just a plethora of different perspectives on, on how you put something in place and and how you think about it. Okay, thanks, Marty. Yes, definitely. As you said, fascinating setup you had there. So on to our next topic of discussion. How well do privacy and information security collaborate on strategic planning in their annual work plans or annual processes? Marty, I think you know where we're going with this question. Do you care to elaborate a bit? So just sort of the the questions around the forward thinking process and how well they work together. And based on what you all have said so far, I would anticipate you're going to say in the organizations you've been at or that you're currently at, they work pretty well together. So I'd like you to also comment if you've had experiences where maybe it, it wasn't quite as aligned as you would have preferred. So Fred, I'm going to toss this question to you first. Yeah, we have a pretty good strategic process in place, you know, whether it's education. In fact, been, uh, we've been meeting regularly to talk about our annual training, whether it's the uh, privacy and, and compliance run their own annual audits. Um, so I think, you know, we're all, we're collaborating in those areas. And I think a willingness to participate as a CISO um, it really helped seal that uh, relationship. And, and certainly, um, you know, we also look at it from the perspective, we, and I'm saying we, uh, IT owns the um, auditing tool that we use, but it's obviously privacy that really is, is, is performing the the final audit reviews and 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 going through the the breach notifications and things like that. So, 
you know, having that strategic planning for, are we going to expand the system? Are we going to do additional audits? Are we going to add, you know, additional features or capabilities are all things that uh, are important to discuss. And, and so, you know, by having those regular meetings beyond just our team meetings and, um, and it's very effective to do that. And, and I would highly encourage uh, CISOs to engage their CPOs to, to really work to find those common grounds where both sides can benefit from improving their control measures that they have in place um, from both the privacy and the security side. Thank you, David. Thoughts, comments? Yeah, and and I had it easy because I I was both uh, privacy and information security, and so it was easy to plan together, although we still had issues. And and so I'm going to kind of step forward into what I've been seeing the last few years here at Synergistic across our customer base and and even internally where we have to deal with privacy and information security as well. And and one of the things that's changing is is the tools are a lot more elaborate. We've seen a great movement to the cloud and as the tools get kind of embedded into some of these things, information technology and, and even information security, because it's there, forget that they have to work with other groups. So one of the one of the areas I, I see at a lot of customers and we've struggled with with who gets to set it and how it gets set here is the sensitivity of the data or the classification of the data and the data mapping. It's easy to go into your Outlook instance and IT runs that so they make decisions and sometimes even in the EHR which may be owned by the technology may be owned by IT but the, the medical record may belong to, to HIM, and, and they may have different ideas about that. And so I, I think we're seeing this shift from information security, which is very broad, and, and privacy, which is very focused on a specific set of information, into a broader approach to data governance, whether it's research data or, or EPHI or, or information about the organization. And I think it's going to drive a shift to how we actually do this privacy and information security and even IT planning around data. Because if you don't bring everyone to the table up front, you're going to wind up with some disconnect and miss dots as you begin to roll out or implement these technologies or even write the policies and, and procedures around who gets what access to which data, when and from where. And the world's just getting way more complicated in, in terms of the data. And so I think both privacy and InfoSec are going to have to back up and take a broader perspective on the governance, not just the technology. The people are still the key to it and often the most difficult part. But the planning has to be done together, the annual work plans and strategy around technology, and even the processes and procedures you're going to be implemented have to be done jointly across not only the privacy and security area, but the business units as well, who have the users of that information and the technology. So as you guys have been talking, one of the things that I I thought about, and, and I see this as I go out and speak to our clients, is, you know, Fred, you mentioned auditing. And it depends on who I'm talking to 
the response I get to what that means. Because as you know, somebody who's worked more in the compliance and privacy side, if you talk about the auditing requirements that are under the security rule, I always tended to focus on the user access monitoring and auditing. And when I talk to the CIO or CISO and ask them questions of, do you do the auditing and monitoring? They'd say, oh yes, we do that. But as I dug a little deeper, it would oftentimes be auditing and monitoring of application accesses and not really the user looking, you know, who's accessing a patient record, for example. So I'd just be curious on whether that's something you've encountered as well or, or had those conversations with the privacy officer and you find out you're not both talking apples and apples. For us, I, I think we've always been in, in lockstep with what the auditing function was supposed to accomplish. So it hasn't really been an issue between the CPA and myself. IT does a lot of auditing uh, as, as, you're, as you're talking about it. It's not, you know, it's not just access to what information, but just to what applications, as you mentioned. So you know, I certainly see a lot of other auditing functions being conducted exclusively by IT. Sometimes those are as a result of audit, internal or external auditors coming in and saying you need to do a, you know, a a three-month review of user access to your accounting system, right? So, I mean, I think you see a lot of those other types of audits occurring, but at least between us two, the, um, you know, I think we've been in lockstep in terms of the auditing of access. Thank you. I, I think that's also, though, important that you make sure that the terminology you're using between the two is consistent and you mean the same thing by the term you're using so that you might, you know, you might go down a pathway of a conversation and you each think you understand what's going on, but then you realize at some point you've been using the terminology in a different context. I have one final question. This may be a little bit of a loaded question, but I want each of you to give me some quick thoughts on, is it better to have the privacy officer and the CISO report to the same person or not? And again, if you just give brief thoughts on that. So I'll start with you, Andrew, and then we'll go to David and then finish up with you, Fred. I think it's a good question, Marty. And I would say that there's there's a benefit to having them report to the same person potentially. So reporting through, you know, a chief compliance officer, for example, because of some of the things that Fred and, and David have been talking about related to the strategic planning and the work plan and, and budget issues. What I've seen in in my experience, and I think this has worked well, is that they do report to different offices because they have different skill sets and expertise, but they're working well together. So I guess my two cents is based on skill set, expertise, background, it, it probably makes sense to have the the CISO and the privacy office sit in different spaces within the organization, but they're working collaboratively, frequently, and interacting nearly constantly together. David? I would start out by prefacing that by saying, I don't believe the CISO should report to the CIO. So I, I think there's an inherent conflict there, having served in both roles separately and, and concurrently. So uh, I think it's less important that the CISO and the CPO report to the exact same person is that it all rolls up at some point at the top of the chain of command. And it really does because it's all gonna rest in the CEO's lap at some point. But in terms of planning and budgeting, it does make life easier and it makes the whole planning and spend a, a little more synergistic, excuse the expression, if they report to the same senior executive. Fred, thoughts? Yeah, and I'll, and I've heard the same as David's mentioning related to the CISO should not report to the CAO, and and I think it it rolls back into the type of the organization that you're working in, and 
Um, as I mentioned, I also have a dotted line to the chief compliance officer, and I, you know, I meet with her on a regular basis as well. So, you know, I think it's the, I think I answered maybe on this question. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it works both ways. It just depends yeah. on your organization. I mean, certainly you can have abuses that can occur um, no matter who you're reporting to. Uh, and, and obviously that's the key component is having enough checks and balances in place to help limit the, the scenario where now you're, you're placed in a compromised position. I agree with what you said, Fred. You know, uh, having been a chief compliance officer, there's lots of information out there from the OIG that they have a really strong preference that the chief compliance officer does not report to like the CFO or to the legal officer, that they want them to report to either the CEO or more ideally actually to the governing body, to the board. And I think we're seeing that it was a little bit, in from what I've seen, at least a little bit more of a lag when you talk about the CISO and the CIO. But there's two thoughts or comments I have on that. One is, I agree with David of having a preference that they not report to the, the CIO because of that inherent conflict. But I also agree with you, Fred, that it's really going to depend on the culture of the organization and the nature of the people in the positions. But I think that could be one risk when you have the CISO reporting to the CIO and you've got a great relationship and things are going well. And then the CIO decides, to retire or move on to a new opportunity or or they change and the person you get in there may not be quite the same fit and and that's where I think it becomes a little more of a struggle for the relationship to maybe work as well when they do you know when the CIO does report to the to the CISO and and I've said the same thing about the compliance officer reporting structure so I I do really think it it's going to be inherent on the organization to be cognizant of that and make sure the senior leaders are very aware that they want that CISO to have the independence to go to to the senior leaders if it's deemed necessary if they're if they're feeling like they're being thwarted by the the CISO and we're fortunate in that our uh, chief compliance officer does report directly to the CEO and has a reporting function to the board as well. There's a, a lot of autonomy there um, that, you know, should something arise, you know, I would I would certainly have the ability to report to a different individual and feel com comfortable and confident because of that relationship to be able to report what I needed to. Well, I want to thank you all for your insights up to this point, and I now want to open it up and transition to some of the questions we have received from our audience. David, you touched on this earlier. What are your thoughts on having the CIO and CPO be the same person? Oh my goodness, the CIO and the CPO? Privacy and security officer uh, being the same person, I, I have less issue with, although then it will depend on where they uh, report, because if they have the CISO who also has a privacy title reporting to the CIO, now you've got a separate set of concerns from my perspective. And I, I completely agree with Fred. Anything can work if everyone agrees to it. And there's uh, mitigating controls, there's additional structures that you can put in place, and there's always ways to make that thing work. And if everyone wants it to, it, it, it's going to be fine. But I, I think you want to avoid inherent risks if you can. And and so the, the CPO and the CISO being the same person, I would have less concerns about depending on where they reported outside of IT. I'm just going to chime in. I, I personally, I agree with what you said, David, but I think one of the challenges with that, in my opinion, is the skill set that a privacy officer needs and the skill set that 
a CIO or CISO needs, I think are vastly different. And finding somebody, I mean, they have to be collaborative and there's some overlap, but find somebody, finding somebody who has that complete skill package, uh, I, I think would be very challenging to put both roles in the same person. Now, I have seen that occur, but it's oftentimes where the person has the title, but they have somebody, two individuals reporting to them that each have the specific skill set for privacy and for information security. And I completely agree, Marty. Ten years ago, that might have been more possible, but privacy is getting so complex. There's so many state rules. There's so many federal kind of weird overlays that cross HIPAA now. And, and so I would have to agree with you, finding that person would, would be the bigger challenge. Another question for the team on conflict of interest. Privacy is often viewed as a compliance function. Do you think there's a conflict of interest for the chief privacy officer reporting to the chief compliance officer? Fred, you want to take that first horse? Well, I'm, I'm the least on the expert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. Well, I just want to say one thing. I, I definitely would not want to be the CPO and the CISO. That is a, that would be a, an amazingly <laughs> tough job. So now where it, where it becomes a struggle is obviously smaller organizations that just don't have the, the resources. Um, and then you have folks wearing, you know, the part-time hats. And I did that in my previous role. Um, it was a small 300 employee organization. And so I didn't wear the privacy role, but I certainly wore the IT director slash security role. And uh, even that was very tough. So uh, yeah, definitely would not want to normally combine those positions under most circumstances. So Andrew, I'll, I'll throw the conflict of interest question to you on the, C sure. the privacy officer reporting to the compliance officer. Sure. And I'm, you know, I, I guess I'd have to learn a bit more about the question. From my perspective, I don't know that I see a, a privacy officer reporting to a, a chief compliance officer as being a conflict of interest. Um, I could potentially see there being a conflict if, you know, if and when, and we know this happens pretty often, the privacy office reports to general counsel, because unlike a, um, a, a relationship relationship between compliance and privacy where they're having to manage, you know, ethical rules as well as uh, statutory obligations. You have issues in legal of uh, that involve privilege, of course, and there may be areas where I can foresee that if there are areas, and we, I think a lot of us has seen this in person, where if a privacy office reports to general counsel, sometimes things like complaints, uh, incident response, things like that, um, may be handled a bit differently than they would had they been handled under a compliance office or a compliance department. Uh, and again, a lot of this goes back to issues of privilege when you think about something like a, an incident assessment and, and so forth. So I don't know that I see a conflict of interest of having a privacy officer report to the CCO, but in thinking what Fred and David have said, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of unique uh, organizational aspects to a question like that. And it, it it's it's probably going to depend on how that organization functions and things like visibility and, and communication from that privacy officer back up to leadership and, and committees in the board. Okay, one more question. Are there ways to build common governance even if the organizational structure isn't aligned or ideal? I'll take a stab. Where you can make very compelling arguments is in the data. If you can get the collaborative effort between the CISO and the CPO, uh, and, and maybe the CPOs can dangle the carrot of, hey, if you need additional tools, working through privacy may be a, a mechanism for help building that need and, and then arguing that, making a, a, a dollar and cents argument, uh, return on investment argument to leadership. So 
I mean, I think once the CISO and the CPO can form a bond and start to work collaboratively together, and then you start to present data and empirical evidence uh, and you measure risk and you supply that risk, then I think you can build the common governance need or at least have that need become uh, aware to senior leadership and then hopefully buy them in. Ultimately, you're going to have to, you know, you're still going to have to convince them. But that would be my, my short take on it is, again, use empirical data to help move that that process along. Thanks, Fred. I think that's really an important point you just made. And so with that, I'm just going to do a quick review of our key takeaways. Obviously, I think through the course of the discussion, we've all said privacy and security are integral to each other, that any lack of coordination or poor communication between privacy and security can increase cost and risk. And then, of course, collaborating on strategic planning can help minimize duplication of effort and improve utilization of resources and hopefully help diminish the overall risk. So with that, I would like to thank our esteemed panel. That was certainly an interesting discussion and we got some really wonderful insights. So thank you very much. And that wraps up the part two of our Say What series. Thank you so much to our listeners for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast and feel free to leave your comments.